0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, Season 6, Episode 8. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network of shows. Brought to you by Mountain Man Medical. Today is Thursday, April 28th, 2022. As of the recording of this episode, and I am your host, Riley Bowman. A very not feeling so awesome host. Kind of under the weather a little bit here, but I'm glad to be here. We got Matthew Marister our co-host. Yeah.
1: Yeah, what what else would I be doing? You know what I mean? Than yeah. hanging out with you guys.
0: And and Matthew for an old guy is looking, you know, as chipper, <laughs> you know, chipper, as chipper as ever.
1: Oh man. Yeah, I it's because I have a blurred screen or some filter on my camera that makes me look better. I really yeah, have. filters.
0: Filters are nice, <laughs> right? I decided, so I, I messed around with a filter once and uh, did not like the way I looked. <laughs> I was like, you know, you see some people who are like, oh, wow, they look really good. And then the filter turns off. You're like, ooh. In my case, I felt like it was opposite, but that could just be me. So, folks, welcome back for another, uh, our second episode of this week. Uh, looking forward to getting into it with uh, Matthew here. Uh, we got actually a couple. We have a couple of uh, comments that have come into the website, but also uh, an email we're going to uh, respond to in part in this episode here today. That kind of all relates in a way uh, conveniently to an article that Matthew recently published, uh, which is a pretty good one. And I'll just tell you what that article name is right now, and try to make sure that the, the link for this is in the show notes too. But Quantifying your defensive shooting skills and setting standards—it's a great little write-up. Uh, solid points that Matthew makes. We're gonna we're gonna revisit this and uh, discuss it. And uh, again, some really excellent points and questions and and things that have been that have come in as a result of that that article. And so I look forward to that. But first, we do need to mention our episode sponsors today. Which first up, we have Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timer. RangeTech Shot Timers, of course, uh, my preferred choice of Shot Timer. I've got uh, one of mine. This is, a, this is a test unit here. Uh, RangeTech BT right there. You see it. That, that BT stands for Bluetooth. This was, to our knowledge, the first Shot Timer that incorporated Bluetooth technology into it. And you'll note there's no screen built into this thing. That's because your mobile device of some kind, whether it's uh, Apple or Android device, you use the native... Range Tech Shot Timer app, and you operate the shot timer. It's got a little blue button on the side there. You see, that's that starts and stops, or really starts the timer. Um, It's an awesome little unit. We're super passionate about it. We've been making these for a few years now, and we think you should uh, check them out because, I mean, number one, it is a heck of a value. Or we did actually a survey a uh, year or two back. We pulled a bunch of people on our email list, and you know, through our, the website and, and stuff, and basically asked like about training and about shot timers and different things. And one thing that was interesting that came from that is we asked one of the top reasons why people, uh, if if they didn't have a shot timer, why not? And price was almost the number one reason. I think that's just a, a factor of trying to justify spending. You know, maybe not being entirely sure how to use the timer to your benefit, or what kind of benefit you're going to get out of, or from using one, and uh, you know, so that that makes it sometimes hard. I think to uh, wrap your head around and quantify that, uh, you know, kind of do this cost benefit analysis, if you will. But oh, and then the other question that was asked, it was kind of like, well, you know, what would be a price point to, to where it would make you feel like you know, you really needed to consider getting a shot timer and conveniently that was around the price we were thinking of selling these for which is about 75 bucks. It is a heck of a value because it's a shot timer product that that works, works really well in terms of it's very sensitive uh, and, and is adjustable sensitivity. So you can pick up shots of all kinds in a variety of environments. I use it on indoor and outdoor ranges alike. And, uh, allows you know it allows you to store data on your phone. A lot of times, I'll, I just take screenshots too of what's on my phone, and uh, save those photos of my shot time data in a folder. Um, I've got it saved as well to the cloud, uh, right within the Range Tech Shot Timer app. Um, but it's great to to be able to see that data come into the phone and be able to track things. If I can track my performance, then I can measure and improve my performance. It's hard to improve upon things that are not measured. We hope that you'll check out the Rangetech Bluetooth shot timer today. Go to Rangetechtimers. Rangetechtimer.com. Rangetechtimer.com. Also, today's episode is sponsored by Ready Up Gear. Uh, that is a great little uh, collection of accessories, and bags, and, and other great uh, training products and so forth available at readyupgear.com. Head on over there, check take a look at things like the range ruck backpack which is my favorite range bag by far. Uh, it travels with me everywhere I go. Every time I go to the range has a, a great little padded foam sleeve that goes in and out of the bag that allows you to store safely uh, and protect up to four guns uh, has uh, tons of pockets for organization. So I have, you know, a pocket, de- a pocket dedicated to like cleaning supplies for my guns. I have a pocket dedicated to uh uh, uh other maintenance and parts and things like that which is a huge thing for me when I go all traveling on the road uh, take whether whether I'm teaching classes taking classes or competing i want to make sure my gear runs and then if i have a problem i've got I've got what I need to to get my my equipment back up and running uh, it's got pockets dedicated for magazines with uh, individual sleeves for you to drop and and stow your magazines away uh, it's it's an awesome little bag and a very very Great price for what you get uh, value wise from that bag. So take a look at the Range Reck backpack, take a look at the Ready Up Gear Laser Dot Trainer, also Ready Up Gear Roger 22 uh, electronic hearing protection. Uh, tons of great products all at ReadyUpGear.com. we appreciate your support of our sponsors that support us and make what we do here possible. So, Matthew, I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, partly because, you know, as I've told folks, I kind of a little bit under the weather uh and i i feel a, a bit of a coughing fit coming on <laughs> so <laughs> oh shoot i shouldn't have left um why don't you tell us real quick about the kind of the the overall like an overview uh in the basic uh, concept behind your article uh quantifying your defensive shooting skills and setting
1: standards Yeah. So, and, and this is, this kind of topic has come up throughout many different podcast episodes we've done. And, and we, we kind of touched on it uh, in many different articles in, in in roundabout kind of ways about setting up um, standards and trying to quantify those standards and, and, and see if you're improving. Right. And we we talk about that in in so many different aspects but we never really kind of nailed it down and said hey do we what are the standards you know like everybody has different standards and and we'll bring that up you know that that that's actually one of the the comments that we will end up addressing but everybody has a different standard of what kind of um they think are the appropriate skill sets, uh, or, or the appropriate, I, I guess you'd say performance standards, right. For a defensive shooter. Um, and I know that we, you and I talked one time, I don't know if it was before this article or, um, you, you had done, I think a video or something like that and kind of said, Hey, let's look at the times of like students across the board that we've had over the years and running through different times. And what are the averages? What are we seeing as far as, you know, skill sets? And then compare that to, as we look at videos of defensive, you know, uh, defensive gun uses and things like that, and try to just, and I want to be careful how I say this in, in, in the article, I, I try to explain this, is that we're not saying that if you run this drill or if you reach this time that means that you will be successful in in a uh you know a, a shooting or this is a typical shooting or anything like this um but what we're doing is we're taking a bunch of data and just looking at it and saying what are what are the, the kind of the benchmarks that we see as far as how long does does it take um, for somebody with with a gun out to who, who isn't looking at you uh, if you were to draw your your gun how long does it take for them to look and then maybe swing the gun towards you versus already having the gun pointed at you or at their side and we start to kind of extrapolate this in and say if we can reach these standards, um, this is, you know, one, one level, uh, we put, you know, we have three different levels that we try to get into. And, um, and so basically you have something tangible that you can go to the range and not only say that, yeah, I'm doing better, but say in context of a shooting, because we can't always, you know, it, it, we can't live, we, you know, it, it's hard to put ourselves in that situation because there are so many different variables. So um, you can take your times on these specific drills that we've decided, you know, the the four that we've chosen and uh, and just kind of plug that into the general, you know, times that that we're looking at in defensive gun uses and see where you stand up and see, hey, are my skills Getting better, great, and and then what level am I, and and try to kind of um, push those push those uh, those times down and, and, and get more uh, accurate, and and uh, in, in I think that we chose those drills or you chose those drills specifically because. They were low round count drills. They're not. They're not terribly complicated. They don't require a bunch of different targets and things. Um, they're very simple to run, and you can. Um, they they cover a wide range of different skills that they're testing in these drills. So that kind of sets it up, and then you can kind of Riley, where you see if you want to start um, addressing what parts, uh, you know, the emails or comments uh, on, on the article. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's so many different
0: uh, directions that we go with this. Uh, I am kind of struggling a little bit to know uh, where we should start. But why don't we go ahead and start with um, how how good is good enough? That's actually the title of this episode. How good is good enough? That's a tough question to fully, truly answer and quantify, uh, because, like you said, it's it's hard to actually even simulate actual defensive encounters, right? Force on force gets us there a good portion of the way. Um, But even force on force is still a simulation and is not the real thing. Um, We could look at all kinds of disciplines where performance is important. And I mean, for for example, like a football player, right? Game day is Sunday. And they've got to, you know, they got to perform on Sunday. Well, what do they do much of the week pre- preparing for game day? It's actually a bunch of chunks and pieces of skills combined with a little bit of simulation, right? Same is true of uh, say a fighter. You know, I'm talking about a UFC or MMA uh, fighter. Uh, they don't spend all their time uh, actually in the cage. Rolling and fighting. Okay. Because they did. I mean, number one, like they, they probably beat themselves up too much to be ready for game day. You know what I mean? Um, but two, like we find that we actually get greater performance when we apply performance based training principles to building skill. Uh, and so we see that in all kinds of sports and other athletic endeavors. And, while game day in the concealed carry defensive context is like the actual event occurring of a defensive shooting or some kind of use of force uh, in defense of yourself. Uh, and that's not something that anyone, like we don't want this game day come. Uh, we don't want to have to experience game day if we can help it. In fact, it's considered a win if we can, take steps to avoid getting to game day right but in the last resort if for whatever reason game day comes we want to be ready and i feel like a lot of those same performance and training principles and standards um, can be applied there as well Um, simulation is is huge uh, but not a lot of people have the opportunity to go to a force-on-force-based class or, or uh, you know, do other similar kind of things. So that's a, that's a tough one sometimes. Um, those opportunities are few and far between and so on and so forth. But what we can do is, I mean, I believe there's huge power in the mind and I believe we can uh, kind of mentally war game that considerably. Uh, We have to be careful with that still too, but there's huge, huge, huge value to preparing the mind and visualizing yourself in certain circumstances, Okay, because when visualization is done properly, and this is true of pretty much any performance-based endeavor, it can be virtually as effective as doing the actual thing itself. And uh, there's a number of studies that support that and demonstrate that that concept. So visual, visualization is huge. Even if we don't have the opportunity to, to simulate things on a regular basis or in some kind of training environment, uh, we can visualize all kinds of things. But we don't want to overlook the building of skill, performance-based skill. And that's kind of where we intend to focus our attention here today is on that concept. How good is good enough in terms of that performance skill? <clears throat> Again, not always easy to answer or quantify that. Uh, the answer to that question, but there are some good industry uh, standards we could say uh, that have been designed by you know knowledgeable and experienced folk. For I'll give you one example: uh, Dave Spaulding uses a drill he calls the two by two it's a really simple thing it's really a draw it's, it's sort of like a draw to first shot but you're really drawing and firing two shots and his goal is for you to be able to draw and place two rounds on a three by five card at seven rounds or seven yards in two seconds or less that's pretty spicy That's pretty spicy that's pretty good if you can draw and put two rounds on a three by five card at seven yards in two seconds or less, like you're a good shooter, and that's just one example of of a well regarded, experienced trainer that's given thought to it and said, you know, this is the standard, this is this is where I believe you should strive to be, to strive to achieve is the ability to draw and place two reasonably accurate hits on target in two seconds or less. All right, um, things like the build room. draw, fire six shots. On target the uh, you know the the I guess pro level standard or master level standard as you referred to it in the article here uh, would be two seconds or less that's really fast that's really spicy but that's been used for years and years a couple of decades now okay so uh, now some would say well that's more of a competitive thing well I don't know. I've seen a number of video, or uh, yeah, videos of shootings at, where that they looked an awful lot like a build drill. Yeah, the context a little bit different. Maybe the distance a little bit different. Maybe there's movement involved. Maybe it's increasing or decreasing distance. Maybe it's lateral shifting of you know y- your relationship to target or whatever. But sure, look an awful lot like a build drill. I'm not saying we should train to automatically draw and. Think, yeah, I'm gonna smash the trigger here six times, get six rounds on target. No, every round we got to be accountable for. And uh, if we only need two rounds, we we fire two rounds. If we need three, we fire three. If we need only one, we fire one. If we get the gun out of the holster, and the actions of our adversary change as they recognize what's about to happen, we stop before we fire a shot. Okay, so, but I've seen a lot of shootings that kind of that look a lot like a build drill. So, you know, there's a standard to that as well. Anyway, um, the uh, drills that are mentioned in this article of yours, Matthew, you're right. A lot of this came from a video I put together, uh, which is actually part of another project. And I figured we'd just highlight real quick what these drills are. Why don't you take the lead on that and, and,
1: and walk us through what these four drills are? Let's just discuss those for a minute. Sure, sure. Okay. So, uh, there, there are four drills. Uh, the first one's going to be a draw to first shot. We, rec- we mentioned this quite a bit. Um, and is exactly what it sounds like. Um, you draw from concealment. Um, you, all the drills in this, we, we recommend or in the article, I recommend you run it from concealment, but if you open carry then you know i suppose that you you uh you run them from open carry but most people conceal carry so that's how we do it um i i will say that like sometimes people will run drills uh at the range you know from a you know not in the same way that they carry so they'll they'll carry on the range open carry and they'll they'll draw from a, a owb holster or something like that i just recommend that you you do it how you carry right like that's what you're practicing so um, so anyways, enough of that. Uh, for, well, for instance, like maybe someone
0: listening is a police officer, mm-hmm. do it from your duty gear. Sure. Cause that's exactly. most relevant to you. Exactly.
1: Right. However you carry, right? Like if you, if you're exactly what she said. Um, but so we start off with the draw to first shot. Um, we are drawing the round, the, the gun firing one round from seven yards, um, in, into an eight inch circle. That's our, our zone. Um, The times that we we kind of put uh, master gold and passing scores, uh, the passing is one and a half seconds to two seconds. Um, That's that's our standard, if you would. Uh, the gold standard would be one to one and a half seconds. And then a master would be anything one second and below. So if you're getting one shot on target in that, in that eight inch circle in under second, you're, you're from concealment to master master level. Um, but certainly, uh, if you're in that one and a half second to two seconds, um, you're, you're, you're at a passing score, right? Um, And then we'll go to this. Can I touch on something? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And passing is perfectly a-okay. Sure. Like it means you meet the standard. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay. Let's be clear about that. Now, I I do particularly believe that the draw is a very important aspect of defensive shooting because you've got to be able to get the gun out of the holster, you know, to deal with a threat, and the, it, and almost always that's a that's a an exercise in expediency, right? So faster, I believe, or at least the capability for being faster, I think is is always a good idea. Um, and and, and I personally think that on the draw to first shot, like being in that one point five second or less range on that one in particular, is where people really ought to strive to to be. And that brings it in line with other similar known standards like, say, Dave Spaulding's two-by-two two that I just mentioned, right? Mm-hmm. He says two shots from the draw in two seconds or less. Well, if... And by the way, that's on a bit of a smaller target than what we're talking here on the draw to first shot, a three-by-five card. Uh, whereas our standard, we're, we're discussing right now, we're suggesting, yeah, you know, use an eight-inch circle. By the way, I picked that target type to make it easy. Okay. If you want to use a USPSA A zone, fine. I don't care. Um, the, the air, the surface area of a USPSA A zone and in an eight inch circle are so close to as not to even really matter. Yes. One is a circle and is, you know, not as tall as say the USPSA A zone, but the USPSA A zone is also not as wide. Right. You know, so I don't really care, but anyway, that draw-to-first shot being in that 1.5 or less, I think, is is pretty important on the draw-to-first-shot standard. Um, and again, I think brings it more in line with other known standards like Dave Spaulding's 2 by 2 Because if you're going to get two rounds in under two seconds, well, then obviously your first one's got to be probably in that 1.5 or less range, right? Because then you got to have a little bit more time to get a second shot on target. Mm-hmm. So anyway, just something to think about there. And again, passing is passing, all right? And I'm not going to beat somebody up if their draw to first shot time is 1.85, okay? Because you know how many people that actually carry a gun on a daily basis can do that? Far fewer than you would think. And some of you out there listening probably think you're better than you really are. Because I see those people show up in classes too and they get a serious slice of humble pie when you know we put them on the timer put a little bit of stress on them and all of a sudden you know oh yeah normally because i've heard those excuses right like we start measuring 2.25 2.39 2.16 and they're like normally i could do this and like you know i'm, I'm usually more like 1.5 to 1.7 but you know it must just not be my day well That's what happens when we put you under stress. And here you are in front of an instructor, in front of a class, fellow students. You're going against a shot timer. And even that modicum of stress is enough to make you fall apart. Give that some thought. Anyway, passing is passing. I want to make that clear. Some people, I think, are like, man, you guys are suggesting one second or lower, for draw the first shot yeah for a master class time Mm -hmm. okay that like that's like epitome level that's that's high 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 level okay if you can get there awesome good for you like that's a great thing to strive for as long as it's not at the uh sacrificing of other also important things right got to keep that in perspective too anyway
1: Right, and, right. Th- and that's yeah. kind of why we 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 do more than one. Just we we do more than one drill, right? Like somebody could just run a draw to first shot over and over and over and over, and they could have a fantastic time eventually, right? But the mm-hmm. other skills would be lacking. So um, this is why we we try to cover a, a wide range of different skills in these drills that we're covering. Mm-hmm. Um, Okay. And so the second uh, drill would be the bill drill. We talk about this all the time. Still again, seven yards, uh, that eight inch circle again on the beep, you're going to fire six rounds. Okay. So um, we're, we're firing six rounds. Um, The times that we have uh, here are the passing is four seconds or below Uh, a gold standard would be three seconds or below and master would be two seconds or below. Um, So If you, if you, if you, and the cool thing is, is if you look at your draw to first shot, and you're looking at, and you can break it down and say, you know, this is how long it takes me to draw, then you can kind of start extrapolating how long my build drill should take me, even before you run it. You, you know, your split times, and then you can start kind of building that and, and seeing where where you are. Um, you want to add anything to the build drill specifically?
0: I mean, I could. Uh, I I think we'll come back to some. Yeah. Of that. So why yeah. don't you uh, carry on with some of the other drills here? Yep.
1: Yeah. Uh, the third one is the modified failure to stop. So we even talked about this for the shooter challenge, the the Mozambique drill, that's also known as a failure to stop, which some people you know know it as two to the chest, one to the head. This is a modified failure to stop. Um, again, seven yards, eight inch circle, uh, with a three by five. Uh, inch index card or box in the head zone. So we're, we're that c- circle is the upper chest and we have a, a three by five zone in, in the upper uh, face area, uh, head area. So we're going to fire four shots for the modified failure to stop, okay? Um, we're firing four shots into the circle and then we transition up to the card or the the box and fire one shot. So it's five shots total starting with four in the circle and then one into the, into the head zone, total of five shots. Our times are for a passing is four seconds or below three seconds or below for gold and two seconds or below for the, uh, uh master standard. And then finally we wrap it up with a one handed five shot drill. Okay. Um, it's five shots total. Um, similar to the failure to stop, but they're all going into that eight inch circle. So we're at seven yards. You hear the beep. We're firing five shots, drawing, right. Uh, Transitioning to one hand and um, firing five rounds. And the standards for this is five seconds or below for uh, a passing score, three and three quarter seconds for a gold and two and a half seconds for a master or two and a half or below for a master um, level. And, I, I think, um, these drills and I'll, I'll just, uh, you know, hand it back to you for, for specific comment, but like these drills cover a wide range of different skill sets. Of course, they're not covering everything. We're not moving. We're not right. We're not shooting from behind cover and doing magazine changes. And, and it, I, I get it, but these are the fundamental skills that, um, that if you, if you can, automatize these skills that are necessary to get into these zones, right? Like the passing, the, the, the gold and up into the master. If, if, if you can run these drills consistently um, the skill set that you have will allow you to better perform or perform better um when you start shooting on the move or when you uh do a magazine change, because, because these are the, these are the, you know, the, the, The foundational skills, if you were, um, that everything else kind of just builds off of.
0: Yeah. Yeah, good stuff, man. You know, if I was redoing this uh, now, um, I would take that uh, fourth drill, the uh, one-handed five-shot drill, and uh, actually just change it to uh, four shots and change the time standards to be two, three, and four seconds again. And I, I suggest that because um, just one for simplicity's sake, like it's totally doable, by the way, uh, even that master level for for higher level shooters. Um, and then, then you have three drills that the time standards are all the same, two, three, and four seconds for all those different thresholds and just kind of simplifies it a little bit. But anyway, um, heck, actually, maybe it'd be three shots in two, three, and four. I'd have to do do some more math on that. But, um, so the inspiration for these four drills is kind of based on Bill Wilson's five by five, uh, standards and skills test, um, which is coincidentally used as the IDPA classifier these days. And I think it's an excellent, well-rounded test of skill. And, so, you know, kind of borrowed a little bit from that to create these four drills and standards, because I think that they test some some nice critical things. I mean, draw the first shot. Well, we need to be able to draw. Build drill. Well, that, that indicates that you have the capability of managing recoil and getting the gun back on target consistently. Like, that's, that's a valuable thing, a valuable skill. Feather to stop. Well, we start introducing a couple other variables, including things like throttle control, going from big target to small target and so forth. One-handed shooting. It's a, its a thing in the real world. We see things captured on camera fairly commonly of people shooting with one hand only for whatever reason. So being able to do that, it's not a bad idea. So that's kind of some of the basic logic and reasoning behind those drills. And I would say that even my pistol IQ standards, part of my pistol intelligence curriculum that I teach, isn't all that different from from these. I'm testing a lot of the same things. So I believe a well-rounded shooter should be able to draw their pistol, manage recoil, uh, shoot accurately. Okay, so put put rounds where they intend to. Uh, throttle control and transition between targets and we could add a a sixth thing to that and that would be you know the ability to do all those things one-handed um in my pistol intelligence curriculum we don't get so much into the one-handed piece um it's more of just a general shooting curriculum and everything we learn can be applied to doing it one-handed only um it's just one of those things that you know i only have so much time to teach what i got to teach and and there's just not time to you know to go over all the kind of same sort of skills, but with a one hand one with one hand only involved. So, but anyway, um, all right, I think at this point, I'm going to turn a little bit to some of the comments or questions that have come in from readers and listeners. Excuse me. <coughs> My apologies. Um, we uh, to that, to your article, uh, that we're referencing here today, there was a comment that came in from a uh, William, and he's basically questioning the time standards and suggesting that they're more aggressive than what they ought to be. And he uses as his, his uh, basis, be, you know, for his argument as he, he he compares them to thing to other known standards such as the Federal Air Marshal Pistol Qualification Test and also the FBI. Uh, qualification uh, test as well. And like all very, very solid points, I think, that William makes with uh, respect to his comments on your article, Matthew. Um, But here's what I would add contextually to this. Even with an agency like Federal Air Marshals that has one of the higher training standards with a handgun in the law enforcement community, Because, please understand that your basic level, you know, like we're talking city, county level, even state uh, law enforcement qualification tests, shooting tests, are really, really basic. Like, not it, it. It's it's sadly appalling how many officers struggle to pass some of those state quals because. They are so easy. I know someone out there might call me. out and be like, well, come on, Riley. You're this high level, you know, master class shooter. So, of course, it seems easy to you. I haven't always been that way. And the first law enforcement call I shot, which was like 11 years, 10. Yeah, 11 years ago, I think. Roughly about that Maybe might have been closer to 12. But over a decade ago, I shot my first LE qual. And my skill level then was very different from what it is now. And I I passed it with a perfect score. All right. And that was a Colorado post qual, you know, shoot uh, test. Um, and in fact, the instructor at that time was like, you know, or one of them was like, well, not many people passed their first time with a perfect score? And I was like, oh, I had plenty of time to get my hits on target, but like, whatever. Just didn't seem that hard to me. Okay. Uh, Federal Air Marshal's pistol qualification test is substantially more difficult than, I'd say, your average police agency qual. But even with that, they still build these qualifications as a sort of minimum stand. Like, we have to cross this threshold with everybody in our agency that carries a gun. And it's still, even with Federal Air Marshals, is appealing somewhat. To the lowest common denominator, and there's something to recognize with that. So I don't believe in taking like I think if you can pass the FAMs qual, particularly if you can pass it like cleanly. Actually, not many people can pass that clean, uh, like amongst your your average folk. I do know sh- some shooters that you know could could pass it cleanly all day long, but um, but it's still an LE agency qual. So I I don't necessarily think of that as being like this this ultimate you know goal we should strive to as shooters. I think if we can do it, if we can pass that, I think okay, we passed it. Big whoop. If you stop there, then that's the wrong attitude to have as a gun carrying individual, and that's the problem with qual like that's one of the reasons why I hate state mandated concealed concealed carry qual's. Because it leads to this attitude of, well, I passed the state qual, like, I'm good. I don't need to do anything more. They said I'm. They said I'm qualified. They said I'm certified. Like, I got my permit. I carry my gun, and it instantly is this built-in excuse to not go any further beyond that. Now, here's what's interesting. We've referenced this in uh, recent uh, uh, history actually even as recently i think is the the episode we did yesterday i think i referenced it and that is uh john hearn's uh typical performance and automaticity speculation chart and if you look at that i can put it up on the screen here for those that are viewing on uh, facebook and youtube and for the rest of you you'll try to make sure this is in the show notes and if i fail in making sure it gets included let me know we'll get it corrected but um if you look at this, you'll see that the fam qual uh, pass is, here we go. You'll see that it's right at this center line. It's right smack dab in the middle. It's right up here towards the top. Fam qual pass. Boom. So it's right in the exact center of this. I call it a spectrum, a spectrum of skill. And we see that dividing line is the difference between performance suggests some automaticity and performance sufficient to strongly suggest automaticity. So, what this tells me is that the Federal Air, Air Marshal Service wants all of their people to, because they have to be above that passing score, they want them to be in this category of performance sufficient to strongly suggest automaticity. That means that they can perform some shooting skills at a subconscious level of competence, that they can perform some shooting skills more or less automatically. Maybe not everything, but they can do some of it, you know, at a subconscious level, okay? Below that is like, well, some automaticity, but eh, you know? And so there's a lot of things on here that I suggest are... You know, it's this dividing line that I think is kind of where we want to try to be, even as concealed carriers. So we see USPSA C-class. We see a three-second build drill is just a little bit to the right of that dividing line. We see a failure drill is right. If we do the math on this, we have 2.5 seconds on the right. Three point five seconds on the left of this line, so that means in the middle, right where the line is, basically a three second failure drill. So draw and put two rounds on the body and one on the head, okay, um, and so on and so forth. So don't need to. We've we've talked about this before. I'm just referencing it again here because it's relevant to our topic of discussion. So um, to those that have commented on Matthew's article and particularly William here, and I'm not trying to like single out William, but he, these are absolutely fair points. William says, aren't your standards that you're saying like he, he," so he's not wrong because he says that the standard to draw from concealment and fire one round on the fam's qual is 1.65 seconds. Okay. And then he said, actually the standard is to do it twice. And the sum of both cannot exceed 3.3 seconds. So he's averaging it to 1.65 and that's fair. Okay. And so he's suggesting that even on the draw to first shot standard that we're talking about here, that that places it in the passing realm. Yeah. And that's okay. That's why I said earlier, like that is like, it's a a pass is a pass. You can draw in sub two seconds. Like, all right, cool. Again, I think being more in that 1.5 range is a little bit better. And I don't think is I honestly all that hard to be able to achieve. Like I can spend about 15 minutes dedicated time with an individual shooter and get them to a, a sub 1.5 second draw really quick. It's not that complicated. Once we understand the process and the steps and we remove all the inefficient steps that people tend to add to their draw, It's it becomes not all that difficult. And so a little bit of dry fire time in your personal time Gets you there in a right hurry if you apply yourself correctly. So I don't think these standards are really all that high. I don't think they're that difficult. Um, there's one other thing I wanted to address from uh, Williams' comment here. Oh, the build drill. Specify so the FAM call specifies six rounds in three seconds on a QIT-99 target, which he says is a, you know the, the available hit zone on that is more generous than an eight-inch circle. That's true. And that it's done on the FAMs call from a low ready, not drawing it from concealment. Okay, that's fair. Again, I consider that to be a minimum standard. And yes, it's a high, a relatively high one for LE, you know, agency world. Um, but again, if we look at the uh, John Hearn chart, the, the spectrum here, we see a three second build drill it's just a little bit to the right of that dividing center line. So. Uh, let's let's put this in perspective, okay? If I can draw and put one round on target in one point five seconds and I want to achieve a three second build drill, well, one and a half seconds of that is eaten up in the draw. That leaves me one point five seconds to fire five more shots. How does that average out? It averages out at like point three splits. That's not honestly like that spicy of shooting. like that's that's a pretty like measured pace that it sounds like this beep, draw, boom, 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 boom. like that's about the pace of a three second build drill roughly. okay? I know some of you are not there yet. That's okay, but again, Spending time with a with a good instructor, you can get there or even just being really dedicated in dry fire practice, you can get there pretty quickly if you apply yourself. These are not super high standards. And again, a passing grade we suggest is a four second build drill. That is really doable by a lot of folk with a little bit of time and a little bit of application. okay? These are not so difficult as to be out of reach of average folk. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and I think, you know, the reason why it's important and I think the, the reason why there are standards and, and I'll, I'll go back again and say that it's not because you've, if you reach this, then you are always going to survive or you're going it, to, it, it, it's not a drill. This is not, we're not testing a scenario, right? These are, these are testing skills. But when we're talking about these times in that like I, I, I like that chart because it's talking about automaticity, right? And if you if you run a second and a half bill drill or a second and a half draw to first shot and you know, okay, shooters ready, stand by, here's the beat, then we have to say that it makes sense than in, in in real life when you don't know and you're, you're looking at the guy that pulls the knife out in, in Walmart and starts running at you, right? Like that's your go signal. And you're not like, Hey, I'm ready to go. Okay. Let me, let me stretch out. Uh, you know, like, so we know that it's going to take a little bit more time to recognize that and react and, and all this. So what we're trying to do is say, let's try to perform these, these, these skills, these shooting skills at at a, at a, a, and, and automatize them, right? Like, so we're not trying to solve the shooting problem when somebody's charging at us with a knife, we're trying to solve the tactical problem that's ahead of us of how can I get to cover or how can I make distance or what's the best, you know, how can I move so I can, keep, you know, my crossfire in, in, in a good, you know, I, I'm not, my, my, by my backdrop, there's not a bunch of people there. So that's the problem that we're trying to solve, not, okay, how do I squeeze the trigger or what are my sites? You know, I, I need to understand how my sites look like, yes, you need to understand what your sites are looking like, but in that moment, we need to have that automatically in our brain and know, Hey, this is what my site picture looks like when I need to fire this quickly. And so I think that that's what we're trying to get at it more so than just, hey, you get a blue ribbon because you've gotten this time. It's more like the time means that these skills are kind of becoming, however, if you don't want to use automatic, like second nature or or able to be on-demand skills that you can apply in a host of different scenarios. And I think I think that's the main thing that we're trying to, Present here, not not you know, uh, gold, silver, and you know bronze medals in the Olympics. Like that, that's great for com- competitive you c- you know c- a competitive nature, but um, in reality or in practical terms, this is what we're trying to do with these with these times. Yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, I think if you can achieve the passing, you know, grade level times on those four drills we mentioned that uh, you're you're a respectable shooter, okay? And that you likely have the skill necessary to deal with many difficult, you know, life or death situations with a gun. Um, again, it, it's worthwhile trying to push beyond that and to, you know, as Jared here said, you should always strive for improvement. The best shooters in the world are constantly trying not to just maintain but improve yes 100 brian eastridge host of the uh off-duty on-duty podcast or is it on duty i, I don't Off know why duty, I, on I, duty. I can i i struggle so mightily that's what about. i'm here for
1: <laughs>
0: he said uh, aspiring to mediocrity negates disappointment and that's so true that's one of the reasons i think we see agencies even and law enforcement officers and regular joes and Janes carrying guns make excuses with regards to performance standards because well if we don't have a very difficult standard or we have no standard at all then we can't be disappointed we can't feel bad about ourselves that we can't do a certain thing um i did want to reference a couple of uh things here uh, also in reference to a uh uh, a question that came into our podcast email line from Thomas, and Thomas had a lot to say about a lot of different things. He even acknowledges it's a long-winded, you know, uh, uh, email, and that's fine. We appreciate you taking the time to write into us, Thomas. And uh, he, he had some feedback with regards to the podcast, but there was one thing that Thomas mentioned in his email, where he he talked about the 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 danger, if you will, of training to the test. And I was like, you are spot on, sir. You are spot on, okay? Uh, When I talk about training the standards, uh, let me make this clear. I am not talking about training to the test, okay? I'm talking about using the test, the drills, to evaluate, to measure where you are, okay? But we train the other... You know, we train the skills that make up those drills to get better at them. So I'm going to point you back to a podcast episode I did with Matt Little, season five, episode 10 three types of drills for skill development with Matt Little, uh, where we talk about his philosophy on practice and training, developing skill. Uh, And he talks about in that episode, we, we cover the ideas of, of uh, isolation drills where we isolate very specific pieces of things and work on those specific components, okay? We talk about, what am I missing? There's isolation combination. The brain's not functioning all of a sudden. But <clears throat> go back and listen to that episode. It's a good one, okay? Let me give you an example here. Well, okay, so... Let's just talk about draw to first shot. Honestly, learning to draw the gun is kind of a bit like training to the test because to learn how to draw, you kind of have to just draw. However, we can break that down. Okay. And so even things like micro drills become a part of the process of training specific, you know, isolating specific pieces or skills to then combine it all together and get, you know, the the, the bigger, you know, and accomplish the, the greater goal. So, for instance, I could spend time in deliberate dry fire practice sessions of just starting from a hands off gun or whatever my start position might be or whatever, and just getting my hand to the gun. Okay. Clear a garment if you got one in the way because you're doing it from concealment or whatever, but just getting the hand to the gun. And working on that reaction time, hand speed, all that. That's a micro drill of just getting my hand on the gun and establishing that, you know, master grip consistently. Work on that. And then I can actually just do drills where I start with my hand on the gun and I just come out of the holster. And I could actually stop if I wanted to at the point that my support hand begins joining with the other hand on the gun. And I could evaluate, am I hitting the gun with my support hand? Not literally hitting, but, you know, am I hitting the same consistent point so that that way, as the support hand marries up on the gun, that it's being done consistently? All right. So even with the draw to first shot, we can break that down into these smaller chunks and work on those specific pieces. And those are all part of the overall skill that we're trying to achieve, which is the draw to first shot. Okay, so that'd be one thing I'd say. Now, working on draw to first shot becomes a step into things like, say, the build drill. Okay, if, I'm, if, I, if it's my goal to accomplish a two-second or less build drill, well, then I probably ought to be able to do a draw to first shot in a second or less. So master level draw to first shot time. Okay, that leaves me a second to, to fire off five more shots. That's an average of 0.20 splits. That gets you to two seconds. See how that works. Um, so, working on the draw is working on a piece, a part of the build drill. And then I could work on things. I could do like Ben Stager's doubles drill. Go look that up. Okay, and I can just work on on doubles. Duh, 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 duh. Okay, and part of that is just learning how the gun recoils, how it tracks, and my objective is to get the gun to return consistently back to the same spot. I can work on doubles, and that's going to work its way into the broader, you know, skill set of of say shooting a bill drill, okay, of recoil management, and so on and so forth, okay. So <clears throat> um, that's what I want to say. Like I do not believe in training to the test. I believe in training the the components, the pieces, the individual skills that make up. At the, you know, because then that's what we are testing when we run the drills. Give you another uh, thing I wanted to reference. uh, Go back to episode 474, uh, titled Required Shooting Skills for CCWers. So we kind of talked along this similar vein of thought in that episode. And I wanted to give folks uh, the opportunity to go back and re listen to that if they wanted to or if they missed it in the first place. It's a pretty good uh, episode in that regard as well where we, we talk about some similar things and talk about what does a CCW or a concealed carrier need to be able to do with a gun, right? Uh, and that's kind of the, the basis of what some of these standards are. So um, yeah, but back to Thomas's email about, you know, we don't want to train to the test. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. We want to train the individual components and pieces and parts that, that, that ultimately make up the test, but not necessarily the goal of of passing the test, let's say the test is just a confirmation that what we're doing is working. And then that tells us kind of where we're at and we can use things like this typical performance and automaticity speculation chart thingy, you know, to be like, which again, it's not perfect, but it's a great example. That's why I refer to it a fair amount uh, these days, but we can look at that and be like, Oh, I can do a a three second build drill. Well, I'm in that, that third section of that spectrum performance sufficient to strongly suggest automaticity that's a good thing you know and the further I move to the right on that chart the better but I do believe it's a good idea to try to to cross that middle line to to at least meet that standard um, and and you know we we've got some good metrics here build drill failure drill so on and so forth
1: yeah yeah. Let me um, let me just um, address one other thing that I, I thought was important. Um, it's it's one of the uh, uh, the other comments on the um, article, and um, it talked about he um, said any com- uh, any comparative should have a common starting point. And because concealment requirements are different for different people, meaning, you know, somebody carries small of the back, somebody carries off body, some ankle, whatever. Right. And, and so, um, the idea was I, uh, he says, I suggest the test should start with one hand on the gun. If you want to compare to some standard, then shoot it from your personal concealment with your hands ready and, and, and so forth. Um, I can understand. The the idea that like, oh, well, if I'm if I want to compare myself against Riley and Riley carries in a specific location that is makes it easier for him or quicker for him to get the gun up and and on target and I'm carrying uh, off body, it's going to take me longer. Yeah, that's just the reality. And this is why I don't suggest that we switch it up and have different categories of this is what it should take you if you carry small in the back. This is what because. The problem is always this, you know, if if I'm in a scenario where I need to use my gun to defend myself in real life, my particular setup is what I'm using and your particular setup is what you're using. It's not... I'm not going to be judged any differently. The the guy's not going to treat me any differently because I'm coming from appendix and, you know, and you're coming from an off body. He's going, okay, I know it takes you like a half a second more. So I'll I'll slow down my assault. Right. like So I think that running these drills from your particular concealment setup might expose the fact that, oh boy, like I, I, it does take me longer to get back here and clear my garment and, and and different types of clothing become even more difficult for me to draw. So maybe instead of me lowering a standard so I can, I can reach that maybe what I say is I'm going to try to carry, I'm going to try practicing from a different carry location. Maybe I will try, you know, strong side traditional IWB or appendix because in those positions, it, it, I I'm inherently am going to be a little bit quicker. So I think that, th- and that's why, you know, I don't, I, I, I agree. I understand that starting from a different position is going to yield different results in the long run. I, I, I get it. Um, but that's why we're not in it. It's not a competitive thing. It is a benchmark. Um, and so Um, I just wanted to kind of address that. Like, I I get the sentiment, but I I think that we shouldn't um, dumb down the standard just because you're coming from a a less than ideal carry position. 100%. Like you choose off-body carry. So let's say a a purse
0: or backpack of some kind or whatever. Like, I'm sorry, you chose to disadvantage yourself. Like that's the reality of it. And there's a reason you chose that. Which is probably a well, it's convenient or it's comfortable or it's easy for me to carry that way. Yep, and therefore it's easy, easier to carry the gun or more comfortable carry the gun, but it's harder to use the gun now. There's pros and cons to everything, right? So, but yeah, I agree. Like the standards are the standards, uh, and just because you choose to disadvantage yourself in how your gun is carried or where it's carried or how things are set up for you or even in the gun that you carry. Well, that's, that's your, that's your choice. And you've got to reap the, the consequences of that, the benefits, the rewards, but also the potential downfalls. Question from Thomas, actually the same Thomas that emailed us uh, on YouTube. He says uh question. So in developing a training plan, what type improvement can be expected over a specific time frame? Example to a, uh, draw to first should expect a a certain percentage of improvement in a certain number of weeks. I think that's actually a, like, I appreciate where that question comes from, right? We all want a sure thing. Like, we want somebody to tell us, hey, if you do XYZ training plan thing, then in four weeks, you're going to go from this level to this level or from this performance to that performance or whatever it is. Um, and I just, I don't, I don't have the data to be able to, um, to tell you what that would be. It'd be interesting to explore that some, so that, that, that could be interesting or worthwhile potentially. Well, here's what I will say, Thomas, if somebody puts in 15 minutes a day, you know, what? 10 minutes a day. If a shooter puts in 10 minutes a day working on drawing the gun and they do it for a month, I can't tell you for sure how much they will improve in that time frame, but I can tell you they will be massively improved. I, I know for a fact the, number, the percentage of, of gun owners and shooters and gun carriers out there that actually daily dry fire is a very, very, very small percentage, and if people actually committed them, themselves to it, they would, they would be very quickly uh, building skill with their gun, uh, just like anything. I mean, people all the time like they understand the importance of you know a daily workout of some kind, right? If I want to keep my body healthy, if I want to achieve certain physical or health or strength goals, I have to do certain things on a consistent basis, typically about every day. Right, uh, and I'm not going to see any immediate results typically, but over two, three, four, six, eight weeks is when I'm going to start seeing those gains really present themselves. Right, and I think maybe on the physical strength and conditioning side of things, just because there's I think a tendency for the there to be a little bit more more data that probably exists out there uh, that we can probably say, hey, if you do this so often. For X number of time, that in three weeks, you're or six weeks or whatever, you're going to you know be able to improve X percentage or whatever. Um, I'm sure something like that exists. Like the, the, I'm sure there is a certain percentage we can expect to improve minimum if we do daily dry fire of ten minutes. I just don't know what that number is,
1: but I know that it's substantial because I've experienced it myself. And, 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 you know, I, I, don't know if you've seen this, but I, on like Instagram and things like that, I, I at one point, uh, there were a couple guys that I was following, um, that were new shooters, like guys that, uh, listen to the podcast were like, Hey, you know, thanks for these tips. And, uh, and ask me some questions. I'm just getting into shooting. And over the course of a year, um, I, I, I follow these guys. Right. And, and I see where they are now and in or a student that's you know i re, you know i see him posting instagram stuff and i remember when he was in the, my class and he's like yeah i just picked up this gun This is the first time i shot and you know so it's hard to say like um a, a, you know I, I just don't think we have enough data like long term data with uh, enough different people to be able to quantify like percentages and things but you you can definitely tell like the 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 people that are going to the range on a on a regular basis whatever that might be that might be once a week or they're dr- but, but it, it, they're dry firing throughout the week continually you know um you know like you said 10 minutes 20 minutes whatever it might be um you see them like it, it it's like night and day and 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 it, and it doesn't take that much and it yeah. it, it it is kind of cool um that's i guess one of the good things about like you know, people that post their their progress over um, over time because you 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 do see that. And I I've looked at you know I I quite a bit. I um, record my draw on my phone, and sometimes I um, I'll a, a video will pop up on my phone. You know, I'm scrolling through and I see a video of my draw from you know six months ago, or and I'm like, wow, like it's just. It, 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 you, you do notice a change and I, I don't know, I wish I could quantify it and that, that, that would be an awesome thing to be able to do. But, um, but yeah, it, it is, I think, directly related to the amount of work you put into it.
0: Absolutely. And the quality of the reps, right? Sure like, sure. like a person could go to the gym every day and lift weights, right? They could, they could do on the surface, what looks to be the right thing and be expending a lot of effort. But if the quality of those reps that they're doing on the weights are wrong, like, if you're not doing a squat the right way, I mean, besides the potential for injury, right, you're not actually building and strengthening the muscles the way that, you know, that exercise is supposed to supposed to do if you're not doing it the right way. Same right. is true with, with anything, just, just like with dry firing with a pistol. Here's the beautiful thing. Dry fire with a gun is free. Especially like working on something as simple as drawing the gun and getting it up on target in a consistent fashion. Like, that is the simplest, most free thing you can do with a gun in your spare time. Um, Yeah, is there more that you should be doing in dry fire? Absolutely. And there's, I mean, there's all kinds of things you should be working on. But if all a person, like I said, did was 10 minutes a day of working on their draw and consistency of presentation to target with their gun. I really don't think it'd take much time at all. Um I know you'd start seeing improvement within a week or two. Probably within within days. But you're going to see a substantial difference from day 1 to day 30 if you actually commit yourself to daily practice. And that's the thing, like that's what I'm real huge on now versus, you know, maybe where I where my thoughts on this used to be, but like if I can just get people to commit to doing 10 minutes a day of dry fire like that it doesn't seem like a lot but it makes a difference and it and it's it, it isn't a lot it's not a huge commitment but the challenge is actually being committed to that course of action and uh, not everybody's able to follow through if you care enough to get good you'll you'll make that decision to do it to do 10 minutes of dry fire a day and the cool thing is some people will get into that routine And they'll get to where they actually enjoy it. And they'll end up doing 20 minutes or 30 minutes because they lose track of time. And they're like, oh, wow, I just did a 30-minute dry fire session. Awesome, bro. Like that's icing on the cake at that point. All right? Commit to doing 10 minutes. You got 10 minutes, I promise. You can find 10 minutes somewhere in your schedule to do it. I do. I'd say over the course of the last four years... It's very plausible to suggest that I've averaged 10 minutes a day of dry fire practice. At the very least, on my worst days, days like today where I feel sick, I got my gun on me. Every day I do practice draws when I put my gun on. 10, 10 draws minimum. That takes me like a minute. So, in. I have reasons for that. I've discussed those reasons before. Okay. But uh, even on my crappiest, busiest, not feeling well days, like I've got, I've got 10 draws in today. Maybe that's all I do today. I'll make up for it for sure. When I, you know, when I get back to feeling hundred percent health wise. All right. Commit to 10 minutes a day. Do it. Well, we're over time. Uh, We should wrap it up. Uh, How good is good enough? Well, the title maybe might be a little bit clickbait-ish, but uh, because I don't know that you know we can really answer that question. But I think we've provided some food for thought for people to consider and, and and consider what might be, you know, good enough. You know, one 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 more thought, Matthew, is I was just thinking about my own pistol IQ standards that I run students through, and uh, which I'm teaching in one of those classes this weekend. Um, I built those state like the scoring standards of like the basis of that is if you take sort of like these master level times because i I do a build drill i do a draw to well it's not draw to one shot it's draw to two shots standard okay um and there's some other standards that are not all that dissimilar from these four drills we talked about today but if you take those master level times and you double them okay so that like let's say a build drill in two seconds double it if you can do a build drill in four seconds all right. If you can do all of my standards in basically, if you if you can shoot them cleanly in double the time of what's expected from the like I call it the grandmaster, you know level. All right, because everything has a has a threshold in my standards. Uh, you will score about a hundred points on my pistol IQ standards, and I suggest that if you can score hundred on my standards. That you, like I believe, as best as I could figure, and I had a lot of trusted individuals shoot my standards of various skill levels and give me data back. If scoring a hundred on my pistol IQ standards, I believe is right, kind of in that that middle zone of the uh, that that John Hearn chart. So, it's very doable. It's very doable. Uh, most of the students that come to my classes are absolutely capable and should be able to score 100 on my standards. Not everybody does. Usually, they don't, and it's a mental failure more than more than it is a actual physical skill failure because they get too amped up, too nervous, too concerned, too worried, thinking too much about results rather than focusing on the process, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so mentally, they they fall apart, and that's – but that's a big part of my curriculum is is actually that mental game side of it too. But anyway, I just wanted to, I just wanted to throw that out there. um, That uh, scoring a hundred on my standards is kind of, if you can do that, then I think that you're considered to be a pretty solid shooter and that you might then consider focusing on other skills that you might lack yet. Now, I di- I don't want you to forget about the shooting skills either. I want you to continue working on those, at least maintaining that level of performance and if not slightly improving over time. But but anyway, just want to provide that additional context and um it's very dual. People think they come to my class and they got to throw down a, you know, a 2-second build drill. Well, yeah, I guess if you want to, you know, earn one of these, these are my grandmaster cards, numbered Right. You want to earn one of those, yeah, you gotta throw down, throw down the, the, the grandmaster, you know, performance times and scores. But uh, but that's not the purpose of my class. My purpose of my class is to get everybody to where they can they learn what they need to learn to be able to score a hundred. That's really what my goal is. So let's wrap it up, guys. Thanks for uh, <coughs> being here today. <coughs> Excuse me. I've been holding off that one for a good minute. Um Ready up gear, Readyupgear.com, Our first, our sponsor, one of our sponsors of today's episode. Uh, I know I saw Jared uh, on Facebook commenting he loves his uh, range ruck um, backpack. Absolutely, uh, I got like I, mine's always you know ready to go, ready to head for, head to the range. It's nice having a dedicated uh, range bag for that purpose, and it's nice to have a dedicated range bag that is well organized for that purpose heading out to to iowa this weekend teaching a class and my range ruck backpack will go right with me it has pretty much everything i need i don't worry about it i just grab the bag and away i go uh check out all the other great other products on readyupgear.com and also rangetechtimer.com for the most affordable most feature rich value packed shot timer on the market check out (sighs) rangetechtimer.com Well, Matthew,
1: final words. Just thanks for listening guys. And uh, uh, if I can say this, if you've haven't, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider leaving a comment or leaving a uh, review on whichever, uh, you know, platform you listen to it on. It helps us uh, in our ranking. Even if you've left a comment in the past, uh, uh, you know, leave another one, tell us what you think. Um, If you don't like the podcast, you know, write us in and tell us, um, or if there's things that you'd like to improve. Um, but it definitely helps us. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, we, we appreciate all your support and help in, in, uh, keeping the podcast going.
0: Yeah. I'll make it real easy. If you don't like the podcast, don't listen. (laughs) How about that? (laughs) Just kidding. You know, we, we, we've always tried to listen to feedback and we've tried to make improvements over the years. We have made improvements. We've, we've, uh, made, uh, 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 format changes and different things, you know. Trying to provide a a show that we hope uh, people will enjoy and like and find value in. Um, at the same time, like some people will suggest things, and I'm like, yeah, I appreciate the suggestion, but I do feel like we have a formula that has worked pretty well for six plus years, six hundred ish episodes, and uh, you know, many, many, many millions of downloads. So. Sometimes it's hard to change a good thing. Anyway, seriously, though, we do appreciate the emails that come in. Thomas, appreciate your email. Uh, William, you know, commenting on that article. And others of you that have contacted us through the years, appreciate you all so very much. We do want to put out the best quality product we can. Until next time, folks, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.